Hello, everybody, and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intracasso, and my co-host, Topher Cohan, is joining me this episode. Uh, he is not here to record the intro, but he is very much running the show now. He is an amazing, amazing dude. I am so psyched for him to take over and to listen to the amazingness that the Roundtable will become. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor. Go give us a great rating on iTunes. It helps us a bunch and helps new people find the show. Seriously, you've been listening to The Tome Show. You've probably been paying nothing for it. But if you want to help us, head on over to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Someone will read the review verbatim here during the show's intro. Make us say anything, but keep it clean. This is a family D&D news podcast, people. Today's five-star review comes from Orin22. Orin22 has a review entitled Great People Plus Quality Discussion Equals Top-Notch Podcast. Orin22 says... I've been listening to The Tome Show since 2009. From going to college, getting a job, changing said job, to moving all over the country, The Tome Show has been a constant staple in my podcast library. An unending font of RPG info awaits at your fingertips. With great reviews from Jeff Greiner to amazing discussions on various products and topics with James Intracasso's Roundtable, this show just can't be beat. Been listening for seven years, looking forward to seven more. Keep them coming, you guys. Thank you for all your views, news, and reviews. Thank you for so many kind words, Orin22. It is really, really awesome that you have been listening for so long, and I really appreciate that. All right, people, that is our final five-star review. I am fresh out, so please head on over to iTunes and give me something to read. Please use the affiliate links at thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. I'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, OpenGamingStore.com. My pick for Open Gaming Store for this episode is Lamentations of the Flame Princess, The Cursed Chateau. If you have not played Lamentations of the Flame Princess, it is a super fun OSR game uh, that takes you back to the old school gritty feel of D&D. It is a lot, a lot of fun. Thanks to Greg Blair for introducing me to this game. Now, if you go and you order The Cursed Chateau from OpenGamingStore.com. Make sure you use the exclusive coupon code TOMESHOW2016 at checkout to get 10% off your order between now and February 2017. And now, here to tell you all about OpenGamingStore.com is your mother not really understanding what she is buying you for Christmas. Hello, honey. It's so nice to see you. Happy holidays. It's great. It's great. I just wanted to say I went to OpenGamingStore.com to get all of your gifts this year. It was great. They had PDFs. I had them mail them to you electronically. And then they had all kinds of hardcover products and, and softcover, you know, full print products that I got for you as well. They were great. Now, granted, there were skeletons and demons and superheroes and all kinds of science fiction 
fiction aliens all over them? I don't really know what I'm getting you, honey. I hope that everything is okay. I hope, I hope that you're not into that devil worship. But anyway, I just wanted to let you know, OpenGamingStore.com, they've got great deals. They've got so many bundles. It's amazing. I was saving a bunch. I almost didn't even care that I didn't know what I was buying you. Anyway, I just wanted to let you know, OpenGamingStore.com also has accessories. You can get all kinds of stuff. Maybe buy some onesies for those grandchildren you haven't given to me yet. Anyway, OpenGamingStore.com. Make sure you check them out. Hey, everybody. This is Topher. Welcome to the Roundtable. Tonight, we're going to talk to some really fantastic folks about the Adventures League, about what's happening now, what's happening tomorrow, and eventually what's happening in the future. On our lovely podcast, we're going to start with Robert Adichie. Hey, Robert. How are you? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. Robert, tell people a little about yourself and answer this wonderful question. What Adventures League adventure do you love that you or no one on this podcast has written? <laughs> uh, I am uh, Robert Adichie. I'm the community manager for uh, D&D Adventures League. That was a really difficult question. All the adventures are kind of like our babies. They're all good. You know, they've all got, had a lot of work go into them. I think I'm going to have to go with um, something from the first season. I really, really always go back to this adventure when I have to run new players or uh, when I just need something to run quickly. And that's going to be Sean Merwin's Defiance and Flan. So our very first adventure that we put out. Uh, it just has, you know, hits a lot of great points for the season and just for D&D in general. And each of the adventures are, are kind of slightly different. And so it's easy to pull out and run. All right. Hey, Alan Patrick, how are you tonight? Doing well, sir. Thank you. Tell the folks the wonderful books about yourself and answer the same question, please. Well, I have a very smelly dog at my feet right now. So if he barks, <laughs> my apologies. By the time this hits the air, my, uh, my, my first child will, will hopefully be with us. We're actually due on the 21st. As far as favorite adventures go, um, holy cats, uh, it kind of depends on the group that I'm running. If I have a, uh, like a, a heavy role-play group, uh, I really like Van, uh, the, uh, I don't want to get too spoilery, but there's a tower segment in uh, Curse of Strahd. Uh, the tower overlooks a lake, and there's a puzzle sequence on the door. Uh, for a heavy role-play group, I've had a lot of fun with that and the, the choices that are in there. Uh, if we're talking straight AL adventures, I kind of go back to Season 1. Uh, Courting of Fire, I've actually done a number of times and don't even need the file for it anymore. Right on. That's some knowledge. <laughs> Hopefully you'll clear that brain space out for something else later. <laughs> and uh, how about you, Greg Marks? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, you also let us know one of your favorite. Uh, like Alan, uh, I've got some cats there instead of dogs. Hopefully they will be quiet. My, as for a favorite adventure, I think I'm going to also hit back to season one. I'm going to choose uh, Iron Route. That one by, it was a great mod. Has some good role playing in it. Has some good fights in it. Ginny Loveday, welcome back to the panel. Hey, thanks for having me again. I don't have a cool nifty title like the rest <laughs> of these guys, but uh, I was previously the Southeast Regional Coordinator, and I'm still uh, coordinating away down in the Southeast. But I'm gonna break from the mold. And while I did like a lot of the season one ones, and it was a really hard decision, especially considering every one that I really liked had one of you guys' names on it. I am going to go with Season 3, Bane of the Tradeways, just because it's such a fun one to run. Um, it's a crowd favorite here in my hometown of Knoxville, and um, it's always a good time when we play it. I never know exactly what kind of mayhem my players are going to get up to. Topher, how about you, my friend? What is, uh, what's one of your favorite D&D &D Adventures League adventures not written by someone on the panel? 
I will give a dollar to somebody who can tell me why that the season three, The Way Down, is my favorite Adventures League adventure. Nobody? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, I got nothing. Does that have to do bards? The instrument of the bard is mm. a is deserted <laughs> magic <laughs> item in that one. Yes. And as a lover of all things bards, and by the way, it's a really well-written, fantastic adventure. It's a ton of fun to play. I've, I've played it on two different characters. It's a lot of fun. I've run it once also. It's a lot of fun. But yes, I, I, when I found out that in that season there was a certain bard magical item, an instrument, I hunted this down. <laughs> I, went to a, I went to a venue in a con that I had no intention of going to for the sole purpose of playing <laughs> this adventure. Yes. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> what That's I wanted awesome. to do. All right. Hey, James, oh. I want to ask you the exact same question. Oh, man. I never have to answer the get to know you question. I love a ton of adventures, and uh, a lot of my favorite folks are, uh, are are right here on this very panel. And uh, and I also will say uh, pretty much anything Sean Merwin writes is is a good bet if you're looking for a good adventure as well. So I will also echo Robert's opinion. One of my favorites, though, is actually The Drowned Tower from Season 2. Uh, it's a Mike Shea adventure, uh, and it has to do with a tower that's been flooded with mud, which is pretty cool. Big shout out to Mike Shea and The Drowned Tower. Check it out. All right, so uh, the first thing, we, if we're talking to a great group of people like you guys are with the Adventures League, we would be remiss if we didn't at least touch on, and it's been written about, and there's other podcasts who have covered this in such great ways, so we don't want to spend too much time on, on it. We really want to talk about the future, but we have to talk about the post that was on dndadventuresleague.org on November 30th that talks about the RC and LC roles. Robert, you wrote this post. you want to comment on it for a quick second here? Sure. So we're always changing. The Adventures League is kind of always uh, changing to what we need as a community, what Wizards needs um, as a program from us. And um, part of that, uh, unfortunately, was to let the RCs and LCs that have done a lot of great work for us go. But a lot of the stuff that they're doing is getting pulled in-house into um, Wizards of the Coast customer service and retail support. We still value uh, all the former RCs and LCs as community members. And we really still want to encourage all of the stores to kind of use their expertise and knowledge to grow their uh, local D&D communities. And um, we kind of have given the Herald's Guild kind of a nonprofit that they are, you know, there to encourage DMs and and local DMs and local communities to get some training, some DM training, and um, just kind of bolster their community. And so they started an ambassadors program, and we're encouraging all the RCs and LCs and really anybody that wants to join in the community support to uh, join the ambassadors program to kind of continue that, uh, what the RCs and LCs were doing for us. Right on. And if I read right, Jenny, you are... Helping out with the, as a transition coordinator or something along the lines with the Ambassador Guild, is that true? With the, I'm sorry, with the Heralds Guild, is that true? Yes, I'm on what we're currently calling the transition team, but it's more appropriate really to call it a, like a development team. We are working right now, since it's all very new, it's a new program, the Ambassadors Program is, we're working right now on figuring out what it is that the D&D community at large needs from a support organization. Do they need us more training DMs, DM seminars, uh, convention helps, teaching stores how to get set up with the WPN. That way they can get those communications from wizards. 
or, you know, what, what is our, our spot that we can really fit in to do the most good? So that's kind of what we're working on now. Um, we've got a lot of good possibility for where we can go in the future. Lots of feedback from um, everyone over on Facebook, the old RCs, LCs, and everyone that's been interested so far and has signed up has um, contributed a lot of really insightful comments. So we're hoping to get a, a mission statement nailed down soon. That way we can start formally inducting people who actually decide that they want to be in it now, now that they know what it is. I'm, you know, pretty excited about that. I think it's a it's a good step, a good new program, along with continued um, improvement in communications on Watsi's half. I think all of it's just going to be very good for moving D&D and the Adventurers League forward. That's fantastic. So just so I'm clear and everybody else is clear who's listening, the Adventurers League's not going away. There's still going to be Adventures League content put out to play at conventions or people want to purchase to play at their home or local friendly gaming stores, correct? That's still going to be there. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yep. And Wizard of the Coast organized play isn't going away for D&D. This isn't like all of a sudden the world's come to an end, Chicken Little is dancing on our graves, and there's no more <laughs> D&D organized play stuff, correct? I'm right about this, I'd, right? I'd, even since we posted uh, that article on our site, we've had... With the inclusion of our uh, uh, our custom convention content friends out there, uh, we've had ten adventures pushed out to DMs Guild just this month alone. So we're still here. We're we're going very very strong. Yeah, I'd actually put it as almost the opposite of that. That this is almost represents uh, Watsi doubling down. I mean, they wanted to bring a lot of this stuff in house and and put increase their level of commitment to the Adventurers League. And Topher, if I can just jump in for a second, uh, I actually had a conversation with Mike Merles today that will be coming up later on a different podcast network. But uh, Name dropper. <laughs> well, the reason I bring that up is he talked about the Adventures League for a little bit, and he said two things. One is that they see that as one of the big reasons that the, the health of the Adventures League at the moment and the number of people participating in organized play is one of the reasons that 5th Edition is actually doing as well as it is at the moment, um, which we all know is is very well. And two is that Wizards of the Coast and Mike Merles in particular see it as a way to support and and bring new DMs into the hobby because they think new DMs bring new people into the hobby and that, you know, right now they're sort of exploring some ways to support new DMs and that sort of thing. So just, again, more evidence to sort of support that they are doubling down and that Wizards uh, of the Coast believes in the Adventurers League and isn't abandoning it. And one one thing, if I can, that, you know, kind of uh, with the Ambassadors program um, that we kind of wanted to make clear is like the Adventurers League and the admins are still there they're still supporting the Adventures League organized play program. You're not required to join the Herald's Guild or the Ambassadors program or anything. It's a completely separate, optional, um, kind of ancillary program. Um, if you want to join to help your community, do it. If you don't, that's fine. Bald Man Games is not taking over the Adventures League. Everything is business as usual. There's just a new opportunity if you like it. If you don't, then you don't have to. And I just want to say that to probably 95% of the people, there's no really visible difference. Everybody that has been a passionate Mm -hmm. DM and organizer of Adventures League probably still is. And they're probably still organizing games and um, helping people out in their local communities. So most people probably really won't notice much of a difference. I 100% want to echo that sentiment, Robert. Like most communities, most local communities, 
they're not even going to notice the change. The store communicates with someone different now that the RCs and LCs are gone directly with WotC. But other than that, games are still happening. Rules are still rules. Life goes on. Fantastic. Well, as someone who worked with the Adventures League and was involved with it, I want to give my personal thank you to all of the RCs and LCs because I know what, and you guys, the admins, and what incredible work you did and how it was a lot of work and a lot of lifting to get all this stuff out. And I know it was a, a passion. So I want to say thank you to you all and thank you specifically to all the RCs and LCs who just um, helped spread this hobby in this game, which I think is the greatest game in the world. Yeah, so definitely a thank you to all of the dedicated LCs we had, um, my fellow. RCs used to be out there, and admins, you guys are great. I don't, I don't think we said that enough, but you guys are awesome. So keep Thanks. on, keeping on. The feeling is definitely mutual. Thank you. But as we just said, it's not going away. It's moving forward. There is new stuff, as Alan pointed out. There's, you know, more content now than we think ever. And Greg said they were doubling down. So there was an announcement, another announcement recently, that the rest of this current season, the Storm King Thunder season, was going was being out the last part, if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but also the thing that makes me really excited is the tier four stuff, which is super exciting. Robert, you want to talk about that, about the rest of the season and tier four stuff for a second for us? Sure. So, you know, people have been uh, really excited uh, about the first uh, half of the season. And now that we have kind of released the the rest of the season blurbs, people got really excited because we announced tier four. Uh, I think people are going to be surprised and, um, Challenge at Merrick's Eye of Zifu Adventures. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. <laughs> Tier 4 is going to be difficult for players and difficult for DMs uh, just because there's so much to do when you are a level 17 to 20 character. And I think that uh, one of our one of our tenets going forward is to really make sure that players have the opportunity to play up to 20th level. You know, one of the things that Wizards found was that a lot of people don't get to those high levels just because, you know, people have lives and their groups fall apart. And uh, for one reason or another, they just never get to that high level. So we really want to be there as the Adventures League to make sure that people have the opportunities to bring their characters up to 20th level if they want to. And given the portable nature of the characters in AL, it's really sort of the perfect place for that sort of play. Like... Robert said, your group might fall apart, you have to move, whatever, and for whatever reason your campaign was going to end, but because we're worldwide and you can you know, play anywhere, it's exactly the place where you should expect to find high-level play. Yeah, right on. I can totally get my head around that. I think that, as uh, James and I were talking about when we were planning this, is that that's the part I was excited. Uh, so, Alan, can you give me a second and talk about why do you think it's important to get through organized play that, that level 17 to 20? I mean, this is the first time we've seen this in an Adventures League, am I right? It, it, it is. Uh, I mean, we, we've had some AO stuff out there, some of that author-only stuff that really hasn't seen wide release. As an organization, we really we want people to continue playing the characters that they're invested in. Getting to level 17 is no mean feat. I mean, you've got a lot of time invested. You've got a, a huge story built up for this character, and we want you to... You know, travel and go to conventions, go to your buddy's house, you know, go to, you know, family gatherings and continue to throw dice and, you know, have, have some laughs and have a really, really good time. And it always felt sort of hollow to get to a certain point in your character development and, you know, to be faced with that realization of, well, now I have to tell my players, uh, you can't play here anymore. I know you've had a whole lot of fun, but uh, but we're done. <laughs> and that's, uh, that, that's not what we want to tell anybody. So... We have a lot of awesome story ideas that are generated out of our various hardcovers and even out of previous AL adventures. And 
the thing we need to ask ourselves is why should we stop? We have all the tools we need to be successful if we just challenge ourselves to push forward. So uh, let's move forward. I think one of the things that's really, really cool about this is that it's kind of the first time we've seen any official stuff go to level 20 and that includes published adventures at least released to the public at large right so like your storm king's thunder your rise of tiamat your princes of the apocalypse none of those go this high uh so i think it's like a pretty cool thing that you have taken on because it means people will be able to tackle this at home as well as as in organized play once this stuff goes up for sale on the dms guild and you've picked like you said you, you've picked some cool authors to to head this up merrick blackman is one of the people you've called out uh can you talk a little bit kind of about your reasoning in bringing uh authors like merrick on to be the the people who really make some of the first ever fifth edition super duper high level content yeah absolutely so you know, we're very socially active, you know, Facebook, Twitter, uh, you know, all those various feeds, but also through DMs Guild, we can see who's active, what kind of content people are really going for, who's being positively reviewed and constructively reviewed. And, you know, when we interface with those folks, you know, we can look at writing samples and such, but we really want to look for people who are consistently willing to push the envelope with game design and running these things at tier four takes not only a very creative mind, but a very flexible mind, someone who can develop these things that arguably might, uh, in, in other realities, be home campaign material, but they have to bend it around the scope or you know, view it through the scope of uh, organized play, which is a completely different design structure. So getting somebody like Merrick who's familiar with those needs and those requirements, someone who's got, uh, you know, you got a no small amount of game development experience to go with him, I, I think that's something that we'd really like to see more of. And you know, as we continue developing more and more uh, high tier three and then into tier four content, absolutely. I mean, we're going to want fresh faces to get some uh, get some additional diversity out there in our, our author pool, but also help keep us sort of shaken up so that we're we're always coming up with new approaches to these uh th- these sort of issues yeah i think it's brilliant really really glad to see his his name on there it was a lot of fun to work with him and talk about uh some of the conversations we had about just general concept of tier four design he was really open to a lot of it that's fantastic that is fantastic to hear so jenny when i was um working the one of the things i heard a lot was the players when we talk to them about wanting to know when we are going to get tier four play when we get tier four play i assume you've heard the same thing in and i want to get from your point of view as an rc or an xrc now um what do you think this is going to do for the community and how you think that's going to going to rock it or not i think that the community is going to be um, extremely excited um as a matter of fact i got alan's uh, revamped ddao earlier the first uh, AL legal tier four stuff that I'm able to run in Knoxville. I got it mere hours ago, and I already have a full table scheduled for Monday. So that tells you people want to play tier four. I have you know dozens of friends. We're ready for winter fantasy. That way we can play this new tier four content. I had um, scheduling conventions and stuff. Players messaging me. They're like, "Are you going to have tier three and tier four content?" I mean, there are definitely those people who have invested, like you know Robert and. We're saying invested um, in their characters, and, and you really just want to you want to play that story through. Um, so I think it's a wonderful opportunity. I mean, I, I for one, as a player, am super excited to play uh, Merrick's content. 
I don't think my husband would be very pleased, but he was quite excited when the when the announcement went out. I can't repeat the noise he made because he sounded like a little girl, but um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, honey. But I mean, you don't often get the chance. I have a, a character. She's running for Supreme Ruler of Lawn by for Calypso, um, but she's super excited to play this tier four stuff, assuming I don't somehow die before then or <laughs> retire or whatnot. I mean, the, the general excitement is there. It's new. Uh, you never know what's going to happen, uh, especially not when you get a group of tier four players together. I'm absolutely terrified for what my table's going to throw at me Monday night. I can't predict. I can't predict this. You can't predict this. You have to have a crystal ball for that. So it's exciting as a DM and it's exciting as a player to either play or run this content because it's just it's new, it's fresh. You never know what you're going to get. So yes, super excited. Do we think we're going to be able to see? And anybody in the panel can answer this. This kind of tier four stuff going forward, is this going to be the norm? Are we going to have this for every adventure path that we do? Or is this kind of a as-needed kind of thing? Or as as it fits, I should say. We definitely want um, you know people to be able to play tier four stuff. And so it's going to be definitely, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to be in every single storyline season, but I'm, I'm imagine it, it will be. For the next two, we definitely have them lined up. So Yeah, it's definitely the default. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's a really cool concept, but we also want to make sure that we're getting out the right amount of content for the majority of our player base. So we are going to continue to look at Tier 4 as a viable option, but I can't guarantee it'll be all the time. Uh, but we are super excited to be working on it. Yeah, I mean, when this announcement was made, I know that multiple players at the store I organized on quickly messaged me and wanted to know how fast we're going to start playing the Season 5 Adventures specifically they wanted to get to this content so i know i agree with jenny and robert and all you guys this is insanely exciting and um hopefully this is going to show the not only you guys but the community and the creators that there's a a market for this content out there which is really what you need to know so that you know that there's a cost benefit for creating more i really want to suggest to people that are interested in checking out that tier four content enjoy the ride i mean there's a lot of good stuff that goes in there but the game changes pretty dramatically at those high levels so dial in and uh Man, stay focused. You never know what's around that next corner. Be prepared to die with glory. And it looks like the Tier 4 stuff is going to premiere at Winter Fantasy, and then it's going to be at OrcaCon, and then at GaryCon, correct? Yep. Yep. So, hey, if you're going to those cons, make sure you see if you can get your seat at those tables, because the best way to play that content, I believe, uh, initially out of the gate, is at a con like that with a bunch of great players who are excited, and then go back to your local friendly gaming store. Oh, I'd love to see a bunch of bunch of new faces at Winter Fantasy, especially for this kind of content. Yeah. Yes, come play it with us. So it looks like, according to this, it'll be available for download on April 4th on the post that was made. So that means that the um, Season 5 will be ending somewhere shortly after that, obviously. Uh, well, and that will bring us up to our next season, correct? Well, Robert, let me, tell me I'm wrong. Yes, sure. Um, so, yes and no. <laughs> yes You're and wrong. No. Um, uh, so the last day of season five is actually going to be March 24th, technically. We're going to be moving into the next season after that. However, uh, given that, as you just said, some of the season four stuff is going to be at GaryCon, and it's not actually getting released to the public until the beginning of April. So we want to make sure that all of our DMs who are running the Storm King's Thunder DM quests can complete those quests, the ones that ask you to to run all of the adventures. So we're going to, even though the season ends on March 24th, we are going to push back the DM's guild or the DM quests uh, kind of final date to the end of April. So we'll be updating the DM quests uh, sheets with those details. Oh, right on. That's pretty exciting. 
So the That's seasons fun. will overlap a little. Yeah. That's awful sweet of you guys. It's like you care. <laughs> Next season will come around. Do you want to give me, can, can you tell me what it is? Can you tell me what adventure is? Come on, you can tell me. Oh, nobody's <laughs> listening. Trust me. Nobody's listening. You can just tell me right now. Topher, if it's- you get this out of them, you will be the greatest podcaster of all D&D fame. <laughs> <laughs> it's a surprise. It's, That's what it is. It is. The what it is is not announced. The one thing that we have said is that uh, the next season does have three epics. We did say that. Nice. And we've said that they are each targeted at a specific tier. One of them is not tier one. <laughs> so if I can do my math there, I have to do some math. Hold on a second. There's three of them into the tier. Tier one is not one of them. Is that saying there's probably an epic for tier four? Hmm, could be. So I know you guys can't talk about the season. Uh, but can you talk about how pumped you are for this upcoming season uh, in relation to seasons past? Like, how excited are you guys getting for season six? I can tell you that Robert and I actually have a set of linked adventures. Uh, one of them may or may not be an epic that we've already been chatting about. And, uh, oh man, there, there are crazy shenanigans inbound. <laughs> I was excited a minute ago, but now I'm even more excited. So I'm going to let you keep talking to see how my excitement level rises. <laughs> since since Alan said the thing he just did, uh, maybe one thing that we could share is that uh, every one of the admins is going to write an adventure. And we're going to do, like Alan and uh, Robert are paired up, we're pairing up two of the admins for three sets of two-parters. So you're going to have... Somebody with somebody on our admin team. The public will get to see yet another mythical Claire Hoffman adventure, so that's going to be a trip. Yeah. <laughs> if you're paired with Claire, Greg, I just see that we're all going to die in the weirdest way somehow. Oh, <laughs> that's sweet. I know. You You guys write the, the most like intricately odd adventures. There's a lot of living death in the things we do. I know. From the old days of Mask of the Red Death. Can you tell us, and it's okay if you can't, I'll just have James edit it out. Um, <laughs> and if you do tell us, you decide later you don't want to tell us, have James edit it out. Uh, <laughs> that will, much like this season where the Adventures League adventures are, are tied to in the same world as the Hardbound Adventure that came out. Is that going to be true for the next season? Definitely. Uh, the next season adventures, our AL adventures are going to be more tied in with the hardcover book than they ever have before. And like the previous adventures, there's going to be callbacks to, uh, you know, to days of yore of D&D so that new people can get into the, uh, the mindset of, you know, some of the older adventures that we've seen um, that everybody loves. And so I think everyone, new folks and uh, people that have been around a while are really going to love the next hardcover. It's going to trigger some really good nostalgia. And there's definitely more of that doubling down with Watsi of trying to tie AL closer to the story of whatever it is that their hardcover is, whatever that product might be. Whatever that product might be. (laughs) I like that a lot. You know, the last time you guys were on, you talked a little bit about uh, the different ways that you are uh, playing around with various formats. We talked about season four, and it sounds like you've got some cool stuff planned for season six. And, you know, you're you're constantly experimenting and and sort of changing and and playing with organized play, which I think is fun. It keeps it fresh for uh, the players as well. 
well. So what sort of crazy ideas do you guys have that we might see uh, going forward as well? Obviously, this linked adventure thing, I think, sounds really cool. The stuff that's happening uh, with higher tier adventures, I think, is really cool. Uh, is there anything else going on that you guys can can give us a taste, not necessarily of the story, but sort of of various formats and things like that? We want to make the games accessible to as many people as possible. Uh, one of the adventures that I recently put out has uh, I've, I've retackled how I handle encounter scaling. Uh, so I've included some basically cliff note scaling topics uh, inside each monster stat block and in some cases inside the encounters themselves. Uh, it got received pretty well when I turned it out for uh, for playtesting and review. So uh, now it's out for the public and I'm looking forward to people sounding off on it. Oh, yes. I did like that. Do you want to talk about story beats? Yeah, oh, sure. Another thing that we're hoping to implement uh, maybe in a few adventures this season, but particularly uh, looking forward to next season, is trying to make it easier for the Dungeon Master to run. One of the pieces of feedback that we've definitely heard and want to incorporate is that sometimes it's difficult for a DM to run an adventure not knowing what happens in the next adventure, particularly if his players want to go off script. And you want to reward your players who want to be creative and do something that maybe the adventure doesn't account for. But when you do that, then you go to play the next adventure and you find, oh, well, they didn't go here, so they didn't get the MacGuffin. Or that guy who was really annoying, they killed him. Oh, it turns out that was the guy who you need to give the MacGuffin to to do the next adventure, or it doesn't happen. Well, if the DM knew that, you could adjust accordingly, right? And so one of the ideas we wanted to implement was this idea of story beats of, okay, in this encounter, whatever you do, this is the important thing that your PC should know. So, oh, at the end, whatever happens, they should end up with the MacGuffin. You know, maybe they, instead of, they don't want to go to the temple, they're not religious folks, they don't want to go there, they hate the temple, what they really want to do is go to the inn and get drunk. That's fine. Instead, you could give the MacGuffin to a random whoever who will somehow get it into their possession, and then it can the story can move on so that when they play part two, they have the MacGuffin and they're ready to go. Or, you know, this NPC, even though he just seems like he's annoying, he's really important later on, so he should make you should make sure that whatever happens, he's going to come back. And also giving the DM more info about what some of the NPC's motivations are, so when they interact with PCs, you can roleplay them a little better. Basically, a lot of things that will make it easier on a DM who's running in an organized play environment, who can't just read the whole hardcover and say, okay, I know everybody who's doing everything and why they're doing it, and therefore, if you go off script, I can adjust because I know where you need to go. So we're going to try and put more of that sort of information in ahead of time to make it really easy on our DMs. And in a similar fashion, we want to really help out new DMs as well. So for some of the lower tier adventures and really any of them where it comes into play, we're going to, you know, if, if, if we use a certain rule, we want to make sure to highlight that rule um, to make sure that DMs are, are running it. Um, because, you know, especially a lot of us uh, older players, you know, uh, we've played tons of different uh, editions of D&D and even between D&D Next and 5th Edition, you know, the rules are similar, but sometimes we, we kind of fall back on old rules if we can't remember you know, how they should go exactly. So we want to call out some of those rules and make sure that uh, that the DMs uh, know how to run them. And so we'll be giving advice um, on, you know, various uh, different parts of the lower tier adventures. So can I 
say that whenever the next season's announced, I can have you guys back on and we can talk about how great it is and how much how excited you are? Oh, of course. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, I really love your excitement, man. That makes me super happy. <laughs> I promised you some one-syllable answers earlier, so I got to deliver. That's true. That's that is true. very true. I'm super excited you gave me more than that. Um, hey, so uh, this has been fantastic, guys. Anything else you want to make sure that people know before we um, – wrap this bugger up there's been a lot of new con created content released in the last few days for a a lot of different conventions and i know that uh another trilogy is about to go up in the next week for yet another convention game hole con should be putting their stuff up so uh i want to encourage people especially some of the folks i've talked to in the last week that are oh i i we play so much that we, we 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 need to have like you need to release two adventures a week so that we have something to do (laughs) <laughs> well, here's your chance. A whole bunch of stuff's going up. Go play it. Yeah. Considering we're yeah. 13 days into the month, 10 adventures already out, and at least three more coming, I think we got people covered for the month of December. Yep, and we've still got uh, a cool little trilogy um, from Baldman Games that we wrote for DragonCon to be released soon, uh, TM. As soon as, it, as soon as it clears editing. If any of the listeners haven't checked out any of the con-created content, um, on DMs Guild, they should definitely do it. It's some really great, well-done content that's um, fun to run and play. It was designed to be fun and designed to be played well. So, um, yeah, you should definitely go check that out. All right, guys. Thank you all very much for coming and talking about this. And, like, I'm going to hold you to it. When the next season comes out, I'm going to get you guys back, and you're going to tell me everything I did wrong on my podcast between now and then. <laughs> uh, hey, Robert, where can people find you? Uh, so you can find me uh, at dndadventuresleague.org. You can find me um, on Twitter at dnd underscore adv league, or my personal Twitter is at radu76. That's R-A-D-D-U-7-6. And then I'm on Google Plus and Facebook as well under Robert Aducci. Right on. He's got most of the major platforms covered, folks. So you know, if you're on one of those, hit him up. Greg, where can people find you? You can find me at Greg Marks on Facebook and uh, Google+. If you want to find me on Twitter, where I probably make more announcements than anywhere else, you're going to want to look for Scare at the Green. That's S-K-E-R-R-I-T-7-H-3-G-R-E-E-N. Uh, otherwise, you can always hit, hit me up at uh, resource at uh, org. Jenny, where can folks find you? People can find me on Facebook or Google Plus as well, Jenny Loveday, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Jenny Loveday. And Alan, I know people are excited. How can they talk to you and congratulate you on the new kid? <laughs> uh, if, if they choose to do so, uh, Warf Tiner, uh, W-A-R-F-T-E-I-N-E-R, uh, or just find me on Facebook, uh, Twitter. I check, but I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm not super on top of it to be honest. But by all means, if someone has questions, I would love to answer them. And James, <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso, uh, or you can check out everything I am doing at WorldBuilderBlog.com. And I've got another podcast called Have Spellbook Will Travel. Uh, so go uh, check that out too. And I'm Topher Cohan. You can find me on Facebook at Topher space Cohan, K-O-H-A-N. Or you can find me on the Twitters at T-O-P-H-E-R-A-T-L, Topher A-T-L. I'm also on Google Plus at under Topher Cohan. Um, I'm on Instagram, Snapchat, um, Allo. Oh, you don't care about this. Uh, <laughs> come and find me and talk to me there. Uh, and thanks a lot, you guys, for being on. And thanks, you guys, for listening to the roundtable. Thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks for having us.
Thanks for hosting. Ah, man, that was a great panel. Always love when folks from the Adventurers League come on to join us. So, and I consider Ginny Loveday, even though she's not an admin, a part of the Adventurers League, especially now that she's got so much to do with the Heralds Guild. All right, people, it is time for our DMs Guild pick of the episode. My product pick for the DMs Guild is a very aberrant holiday special, an adventure for third and fourth level characters. It is 75 cents. It is from Kyle Carty, and he says Krampus was so last year. Let's take the holidays back to their cheerful and giving roots. That's exactly what the spirit of the season aims to do in a very aberrant holiday special. The quiet logging town of Pinamir has drawn the attention of a very friendly, very powerful entity from the far realm that sends its herald to spread goodwill towards men this holiday season. As you can imagine, things do not work out quite that way. Check it out. It is a fun holiday adventure. You'll probably want to play it over your delightful holiday vacation. It is called A Very Aberrant Holiday Special. There's a direct link to it over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com. All right, people, you can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso and at worldbuilderblog.me, like I said earlier. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to my co-host and soon-to-be full-time host, Topher Cohan. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support this show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to The Roundtable.